Thank you for the opportunity of being here this evening. It really is a privilege to minister God's word to you. And I don't believe that there is a more sort of awesome passage to to preach about. And I use the word awesome in the real sense of standing in awe of the king. And this evening, considering Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20, it really is very special to, to minister this evening on this passage. And the theme of the evening with the songs, it, it really has been clear to focus through standing in awe of the King, that Jesus Christ is our King. In our world today, and especially in our country, I feel one of the greater areas that we struggle in as a society is identity. We see that very often with young people who just struggle to know who they are. It seems that our lives are consumed with the search for identity, for who we are, for where we fit in, what is our purpose, why are we here. All those questions seem to come up daily. It seems to be something in school that we need to reinforce with young people and try and help them with, within families as well. Um, often there are many who might go through a slight midlife crisis in their 40s and 50s. What have they really achieved? Who am I? Uh, often moms will go through the same struggles of what's my purpose? Am I only here as a mother? Do I have more to give? So identity is a real issue in our world today. And that is why this passage is so important because it, it, it highlights the difference between who we are and who Jesus Christ is that that is why we stand in awe of the king because his identity is clear through this passage but it seems to us as human beings and for us as christians as we observe the world we're living in that in every phase of life there is that question of identity my son is almost three years old and um, the whole process of his development of seeing how he connects with the world around him. And the questions that he asks is so interesting and part of that process of becoming aware of certain things, aware of what he can do and pushing certain boundaries that he gets to look or whatever that might be. But you see within his development that happens, but also in many that I've spoken to that are near the sort of more the twilight years of their lives, they will look back and ask, you know, what have I really achieved in life? What have I really done? What has our life meant? What impact did I really leave? So throughout all the phases, it seems, in life, we ask that question about identity. It seems that we're obsessed with that search for meaning. And modern life does not add to that. It makes it very difficult because technology just fuels the search for meaning and people trying to prove themselves with maybe what they drive, where they live, and many people living this sort of pseudo life on social media where they always want to show you a photo of their holiday and what they've done. And it, and it becomes this real concept of, of who we are based upon what we have, based upon where we go, based upon who we know. And that, that real search for this is who we are is what life is about, unfortunately, in our, in our, in our day and age. 
and technology has really been difficult, especially with information, um, especially with, with science moving forward, trying to find a bit more of the meaning of life, and yet it just creates this feeling of discontentment. And that is why I believe we're asking the wrong question as a society. We're asking who we are. We're asking what is our identity, what is our purpose, when the question should be, who is God and who is Jesus Christ? His identity is key to finding true contentment. His identity is key to us finding out who we actually are in him. And that's the right question. When Jesus Christ becomes the center, when we stand in awe of the king, life makes sense. Life truly then is defined by something so much more than just our identity. I think there are times where I've spoken to certain people and one gentleman said to me once, "Um, Kenneth, I don't like... To go into my own mind alone because it's a very scary place. I felt very sorry for him, but he was very serious. And sometimes when we look too deeply at ourselves, it can really cause a problem because we will struggle. The struggle is real. The struggle is there of who we are. And that is what's so beautiful about the passage this evening we'll consider. It's so beautiful about God's word that God has revealed himself through his word. He's revealed himself to us. And therefore we can find, and through that we can find true meaning and true purpose in the declaration of who he is. And that is why I just stand in awe of the passage this evening and just want to allow God to speak for himself through this passage tonight. Because the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer to the question our our world's asking is Christ. It is our responsibility not to change minds because we can't change minds. It is not our responsibility to change people. We can't do that. We have one responsibility as Christians. And that is just to declare who Jesus Christ is. To declare his identity. And the clarity to who he is. So I take, I, can, I take the reading again from Colossians chapter 1. And um, just want to focus on verse 15 to 20 once again. We have read the passage, but I just would want us to read it again. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
It's such a beautiful passage, and if we consider Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse 5 to 8, we see in Philippians chapter 2 that the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus Christ humbling himself and taking on flesh. What we see here in Colossians is him exalting Jesus Christ and for us to see the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Now, who he is and who he's always been, but also for us to see his glory in comparison to his humiliation in taking on flesh. That is who we speak of. Yes, we speak of Jesus and the life he lived, his ministry, his death and resurrection, but we also need to share and focus people's minds on who he is in his full glory. So often we speak of Jesus and, and the connection that people have is with the historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago. Yes, that is who Jesus is. But from a human perspective, they, they see those three years of his ministry, but don't realize that Jesus Christ's beginning was not in Bethlehem. That Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. That Jesus Christ is all in all. And we are here to declare that this same Jesus, who lived among us 2,000 years ago, is the creator of heaven and earth. And that's why this passage is so important. It's so beautiful. And it highlights that so much. So God says in his word that Jesus Christ is the image of God. That's verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ is the very image and representation of God. He's not less than God. He is the second person of the Trinity. And it's so important because the word for image is very, very much like an icon. That's what the word is, an icon, a, a picture. So if we want to know who God is, Jesus Christ is God. He is the representation. And that is why, as Christians, we are there to declare the magnificence of who Jesus Christ is. But Paul also writes and speaks about the fact that Jesus Christ is the firstborn over all creation. And I just want to, to focus on that because it's such a beautiful truth. It needs to be reflected upon. The word firstborn has nothing to do with birth. The word firstborn is a title. It is a title that has been given to Jesus Christ, and it means that he is above all. It's a privilege. It's a title. It's a position. It's got nothing to do with birth. Throughout the Old Testament, the firstborn was given a title. The, the lineage ran to the firstborn, as we know. In the Old Testament, there are two occasions where the youngest was given the title of the firstborn. We have that with Jacob. Esau was older, but Jacob received the birthright of being the firstborn. We also have that with Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was the eldest, but Ephraim received the title of firstborn. Now the same concept is brought over to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ receives the title of the one that is above all. There's no one above Christ. He's the image of God, he's above all, and he is the firstborn. Born, the one that has the privilege and the right. And that is who we worship. 
when we worship Christ, we worship the one who is above all. We sang the song above all because he is above all. But not only is Jesus Christ the representation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you've seen Jesus Christ, you've seen God. But he's also the creator. That Jesus Christ is the one who is the creator. That he created all things. He is the creator and he is not created. Now, it would, it would seem strange to us this evening as Christians being together and, and discussing this issue in the passage. But... If we understand a bit of the context, that there were many at the time, in the first century and the second century especially, who promoted the fact that Jesus Christ was not God. They promoted the fact that Jesus Christ was created by the Father and he was a demigod. They also promoted the fact that Jesus Christ only became some form of deity at his baptism. And then, when he died on the cross, he died as a man. Those people were called the Gnostics. And throughout the scriptures, and especially in the New Testament, John especially writes about them, and Jude as well, but Paul's dealing here with the deity of Jesus Christ because he's trying to highlight the fact that Jesus Christ was not created by the Father, that Jesus Christ is God. That all things were created by him and for him. He's the creator of all things, but yet he took on flesh. He took on flesh for you and for me. And that is what's so beautiful, that when the name of Jesus Christ is shared, when the gospel is shared, when we share who he is, we are sharing the one who is before all things, the creator of heaven and earth. He's the image of God, he is the creator, but he's also the sustainer. He's the sustainer of life. As verse 17 says, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. I'm not a scientist at all, maybe there are some scientists here. I've actually met some people in church who are scientists. It's quite exciting actually to meet a scientist. But I don't know how science really works. It wasn't my strong point at school. Um, well, school in general wasn't my strong point. But there are mysteries connected to how the universe actually holds together. Now, scientists might be able to tell us a bit more, but, but how the whole universe fits together with, with atoms and how all that dynamic works. There's so many mysteries to how it actually still exists. It should actually just explode. But it doesn't. Because all things are held together by Jesus Christ. In Him, all things hold together. And that just sheds so much light and just makes us stand in awe of what happened on the cross. That the one that holds all things together was the very one who gave His life. For you and for me. Every single day, every single moment as we live our Christian lives, we need to live it in awe of the King because who died? Often the gospel is shared with a sort of focus on Jesus died. It's not about Jesus dying. A lot of people die every single day. 
It's about who died. Not that someone died, but who died. The only perfect spotless lamb. The one, only one that's worthy to die. And in him, all things are held together. And it's by his grace that we breathe. Every single breath we take, every single move that we make, is by his grace. I thought that you would sort of find the police reference funny, but it's a tough crowd this evening. Um, but I thought that was there. Not is he only the sustainer, but he's also the source of the body. That Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. That the creator, the sustainer, the image of God is also the head of the body. And we all fit together as the body of Christ and we receive everything from the head. And it's a key thought in the book of Colossians that the Colossians were unfortunately moving away from the headship of Christ. And Paul the Apostle brings them back to the fact that Jesus Christ is the head of the body. His headship is very, very important. He is the king. He is the head of the church. And his resurrection declared his power and headship because he is the one that was raised to life. Every single resurrection before Jesus Christ was basically a resurrection, but it wasn't a glorified resurrection. It wasn't by their own power. Jesus Christ rose through his own power as God. And that is such an important part to the body, that we ourselves as the Christian church, we live in the resurrection power. We live in that resurrection And Jesus Christ is the blueprint. He is the declaration of that power and that victory over the grave. And he is the source of the body. He is the head. But as we move on, I think verse 19 is the key. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. He's 100% God and he was 100% human. And is that important? Yes, it is important. It is very, very important. Because that makes our Christian faith unique. It makes our Christian faith different. There have been many gods and demigods in all philosophies and mythologies. But Christianity is unique and different. Because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. 100% God and 100% human. And as I mentioned, Philippians chapter 2, where it speaks about the fact that Jesus Christ was willing to set aside some of his glory to fulfill the position of the Savior. It never emptied him of his deity. He was always God. But he chose to lay aside some things to be able to fulfill the position of Savior and be 100% human. But he's 100% God. 
And, and that fullness is such an important word. It's that completeness. He's completely God. He's fully God. And that is who we worship tonight and serve. So as Paul develops and speaks to us of the image of God, the creator, the sustainer, the source of the body, the fullness of God, he ultimately leads us to verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So you have the image of God, you have the sustainer of life, you have the creator, you have the source of the body willing to give his life as the sacrifice for sin. That Jesus Christ is now the reconciler, the very one who holds all things in his hands, the very one who is the creator, the very one who is the sustainer, is the one who is the reconciler, the one that brings a fallen humanity together with a holy and righteous God. As the psalmist writes, what is man that you are mindful of him. Because when we look at the works of God's hands, when we understand and fully grasp who Jesus Christ is in the fullness, who are we that he was willing to give his life? That's, that's the key to the gospel. And that should motivate us every single day when we speak to people. Because often, it often happens that that people think that Christians think that they're better. That we are better than others. We're not better. We've just received that grace through Christ. Someone said once that we are all beggars. Christians just know where to find the bread. Because Jesus Christ is the bread of life. We are all fallen. We all fall short. We all broken. Jesus Christ is just life. And that's the message of the gospel. And the one who is the sustainer, the one who is the creator, is the one who gave his life. And in him, we are redeemed and we are reconciled because Jesus Christ is that atoning sacrifice. And these seem all sort of theological terms, but the reality of it is who died the gospel is far more than just saying Jesus died. The gospel is who died and who rose again. The creator of heaven and earth. The one who is above all. That's the gospel. That's what we share. We share the fact of who, of his substance, of his reality, of who he is. And that's why the gospel will always be powerful. That's why the gospel will always make a difference in people's lives. Because of who we are, who we are sharing. We are sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sharing the fullness of who he is when we share the gospel. And therefore we have one responsibility as Christians. And that is not to change the gospel. It's not to, to try and make it fit. We're not there to try and make it more palatable. We are not there to try and make it um, 
more relevant. We are there to share the gospel in its purity. And in its purity, it will affect the lives of people. Now, we should be relevant in our world, definitely. But the gospel itself will only be relevant to those whom God is calling. To people that aren't interested, it's not going to make a difference. They're not going to be interested in it. We are there to share it in its purity because therein it makes a difference in the lives of people. That is our responsibility. So this evening in conclusion, I don't believe as we read this passage that we can do anything but stand in awe of the King. Because that's who we serve tonight, Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth. But the question we have to ask this evening is yes, we hear the message, yes, we read it, yes, we're inspired by it. But are our lives reflecting our allegiance to the king? Because many people use certain terminologies, so they will say, you mustn't just know Jesus as Savior, you need to know him as Lord, you need to know him as king. Those are all true, but the reality is, when you are a Christian... Our responsibility is to know him as Savior, as Lord and King. It, it's a full package. You don't, don't decide what you want and what you don't want. But the question is, as Christians here tonight, and for those who might not know Jesus Christ, he is King. But the question for us tonight is, do our lives reflect our allegiance to the King? Because this is something the world doesn't know always. They don't like to hear this. And I say the world, I say the world in general. We are made to serve. That's what you'll do. We are not our own people. We will serve something or someone. The question is, who are we serving? Are our lives reflecting our servitude to Christ? Is Jesus Christ the king of our lives? Is he the king of every part of our lives? Or do we choose what we allow him to be part of? That's the question. In our families, at work, with our friendship circle, whatever that might be, is Jesus Christ at the center of all of those things that we do? Because he deserves that. He deserves nothing less but our awe, our respect, and our total obedience to him and allegiance. So the final thought I have this evening for us is a sobering one tonight. Because the reality is that every single person in this world who has lived and who's lived in the past, every single person will bow to Jesus Christ. All things. The beautiful statement in the passage is that basically those in earth and those in heaven will bow. But it also says later on in the book of Philippians chapter 2, it speaks about those under the earth. Every single person who's ever lived in creation will bow to Christ. But there are only two options. You either bow to him as king, or you bow to him as judge. I trust tonight we'll bow to him as king. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we approach your throne of grace tonight, we do so. Just standing in awe of who you are. Lord, we are so mindful of your magnificence. 
And we thank you that we can approach your throne of grace with humility. Because we ask the question, who are we that you are mindful of us? And as we prepare ourselves tonight and as we've heard your word and prepare our hearts to share in communion together, we are so mindful of who gave his life for us. Lord, it's not about your death. It's about who you are. It's about the fact that you gave your life as the only perfect sacrifice. And we want to stand in awe of you tonight. And we want you to be our king in every single area. We confess that we don't always do that. And we repent of that. And we pray that you will help us to to be mindful. And Holy Spirit, your work in, in, in drawing us and inspiring us and working in us to just bow to our Lord Jesus Christ as, as King every single day. We know that eternity is real, but we want to live now with you as our King. And Lord, we pray for those in this, in this, in this village and town. We pray for the area around and we pray for the gospel because we know that every single person will bow to you one day and we pray that you will help us to share the gospel so that more will come to know you and bow to you as king and not as judge so please give us a heart for those who don't know you please inspire us to share the gospel and the message that you are the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the sustainer of life and the fullness and image of god Thank you, Lord, for our time in reflecting upon your word tonight and prepare our hearts to share in communion together. In your wonderful name we pray, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.